This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Are you, are you coming to the tree With a strong upper man, the same murder three Strange things that happen here, no stranger would it be If we met at midnight in the hanging Back in 1776, someone said, Give me coffee or give me death. And if that's how you feel, you should be at the Organic Man Coffee Trike. They make coffee the right way, one delicious cup at a time. 4501 McPherson, Suite Number 9. Coffee, the stuff dreams are made of. And welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chris James. With me tonight is Lori Krausen. Lori says she loves God, our country, and animals. And, of course, people. She says she has a wonderful husband, a grown son, and four beautiful grandchildren. These are the six people she values most in life. She values respect honesty, and hard work. Her hobbies are hiking, reading, hunting, fishing, riding her motorcycle, and going to the theater. She likes exploring forgotten caves and shorelines in her kayak. And she's into Bigfoot investigations. Welcome to the show, Strange Things. Thank you. You survived a tornado. Were you in the house at the time, or did you come home and find it was destroyed? Oh, I've uh, survived a couple of tornadoes, actually. Um, The one that took my house was in 98, and I was on my way home. I did not experience it, but I did see it before it struck my house. I was on my... I stopped in town at the post office and got out of my truck, and the air felt funny. I looked up, and the sky was kind of a greenish hue, mm-hmm. and it spooked me a little bit, so I didn't even go get my mail. I just got back in and headed for home, and as I'm driving through this very small town that I live in, I live near, I'm outside of town a few miles, but as I drove through that town, it started wind started blowing and started raining real hard and sparks were just flying everywhere and i thought that i was thinking what kind of knucklehead would be doing fireworks in this kind of weather (laughs) but turns out that it was blowing out uh 
you know, the, the deals up on the telephone poles, they mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, sh- sending showers of sparks from up there on me. The, so I, I drove, and it, it was hard to keep my truck going in uh, straight. I was going very slow because the visibility was almost nil. And I uh, looked to my left, and there were sheets of rain and little visibility, and then none, and then little, and then none. But I looked to my left across this cow, uh, cow field, and I saw the funnel cloud uh, coming down, and it was just about to touch ground before I lost sight of it because of the rain. Uh, so I pulled into a restaurant to uh, get out of it, and all these people are waiting for the rain to subside so they can go to their cars. And there's these big sheet windows in front, and I, I said, y'all need to get away from that big window because there's a tornado right over there. And everybody, like like magnets to the window, mm. they want to see the tornado, you know. I said, no, no, you're supposed to get away from the window. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the rain kind of settled down, so I got back in my truck, and I lived about four more miles from that point, and I pulled in one side of my driveway, and my husband and son pulled in the other side. We got a circular that joined at the carport in front. And uh, we had just made a deal for a new mobile home to be moved, the old one to be moved out and the new one to be moved in. Like that that night, the new one was supposed to be there, but it was delayed somehow. Hmm. And so it was the old house that got hit. And it took my it took my roof and threw it into somebody's front yard and uh, backyard. Excuse me. It peeled the walls like a like a banana, and uh, and we just sat there uh, looking at what was left of the house. Yikes. And we had already taken everything out. All of my birds were out and put aside in a, what should be a safe place. But I did lose four birds. I had several at the time, mm. and uh, my husband said he was they were burning some wood. We had to pull up one tree or, you know, cut down one tree and then trim way back some others to get the houses moved in and out. And there was, they had the fire going and then the fire just started kind of twirling and going higher and higher and higher. And that's when the tornado was about to hit, I suspect. So he looked at my son and said, let's get out of here. So they left and then they got back at the same time I got home. And and this is what we found. (laughs) Uh, I don't think people appreciate what a tornado looks like if they've never actually seen one. I don't mean on TV, but in person. I found Mm -hmm. them somewhat of a terrifying sight. They're both terrifying and beautiful at the same time. I have a fascination with uh, storms and lightning storms in particular. My husband and I used to chase tornadoes and storms actually several years ago. And uh, I got run over by a large one. Uh, one of those great big quarter mile base ones uh, on my way. I was going to Colorado to bury my grandmother, hmm. and it was just east of Amarillo. And I saw this big, ugly, dark storm uh, westward and slightly northward. And I thought, well, it's north enough. I I hope to say I'm not going to encounter that storm because it looked really wicked, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I stopped in a store and got some gas, and when I got back in the truck, the air felt different. There's, mm-hmm. there's that feeling that's in the air right before. And I started looking for windmills, and I, I'm in almost West Texas, and I don't see any windmills, if that's not weird enough. And uh, anyway, so right then I could see that it had come much closer and was directly in front of me westbound, 
and the rain was kind of going left and then right. You could tell the wind was very, very high. And I still didn't realize it was a tornado until suddenly, until I was passing a semi. I was passing him on the, he was on my right, and I was passing in the left lane. And uh, there's two lanes going each way. And so, and a median in the middle of grass. So I'm passing this semi, and all of a sudden, he just starts waving side to side, left and right. He's like, And it looks like he's going to just blow over. So I backed off, and that's about when it hit. It's like he went down and twirled, and, and then the rain was, and the hail hit, and I didn't see anything. I'm sitting in my truck kind of bouncing in place. I'm praying out loud, mm-hmm. Lord, Lord, help me, you know. And uh, when it was over, just a couple of minutes later, I think, and uh, there were other cars around me, and they were turned this way, that way. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was, all the cars were still on the road, maybe on the shoulder, but still not thrown in the ditch or anything. But that semi was on his side lane facing southbound across the median and Mm -hmm. into partially into the eastbound lane. And uh, and so I called my pastor because I couldn't think anybody else to call, and I was kind of freaked out, you know. And uh, after uh, he happened to be in the deer woods, but had not turned his phone off, so he answered. And uh, I said, "I just got run over by a tornado." And <laughs> and uh, so when we got off the phone, about I don't know, we talked for maybe thirty seconds, and then I said, "Well, I'm going to get on my way. I need to get out of this this right here area." And as soon as we hung up, it hit again, and I think I had been in the eye of it, it seems. It was not nearly as, as violent as the first thrust was, but it was definitely a lot of hail, a lot of wind all over again, a lot of rain, and then it was over much more quickly. And then I could see it just kind of going off westward, uh, southward across the fields, uh, and, and I'm just sitting there kind of, going, wow, that was a trip. Tornadoes uh, have been known to travel in pairs, and so you might have been hit by the second one as well. That could be. I thought it might be a really, really wide-based one with mm-hmm. an eye that that was the calm where I made my phone call. But I, I don't know that you can make a phone call from the eye of a tornado, but, yeah, a mm. second one would probably make more sense, actually. Oh. We met... At the Jefferson Bigfoot Conference, uh, we sat at the same table. Uh, this is yep. what makes attending these conferences so interesting. You meet people with similar interests, and you get to hear all the latest that never makes it into the news. What got right. you interested in Bigfoot? Uh, well, I had, I think I had just seen that movie, Boggy Creek, The Legend of Boggy Creek, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years before. And I, I just, I was out on a picnic with my family and, uh, it's my brother and my stepdad, my mom, and we were on Mount Evans and I saw one hmm. and my brother saw one with me. Um, it, it, we heard knocks, we heard whistles. We did not know anything about knocks or whistles at that time. And we certainly were not thinking about Bigfoot because we were both teenage kids. We mm-hmm. thought, well, it sounds like a, a bat hitting a ball. You know, and then the, we decided we had a conversation there at the picnic table. Uh, it was on the the just a small little area with two picnic tables, a drum style trash can off the end of each one, 
and it was just a small area on the side of the road on the side of a mountain. And uh, the mountain went on down to a creek, uh, one of the, I think, few, a few uh, creeks that they call Clear Creek mm-hmm. in those mountains. And on the other side of the road, it went up, up steeply into a forested uh, area as well. And we were surrounded by trees. But uh, from the one direction, we heard the knocks, and we decided just in conversation that the whistles we heard must be the poor schmuck whose job it was to find the ball, because we were thinking, what kind of knucklehead would would <laughs> think that a mountainside would be a good place to have batting practice? And and the whistler must be the guy getting the balls. That's what we decided. But then it started snowing suddenly with those large, heavy flakes, wet mm-hmm. flakes, and we knew we better get out of here. So we threw away our trash, we loaded up the car, we got out of there, and as we were pulling back out on the road... It stepped right out and just started checking out the trash can where we'd thrown away our stuff. And we were already, uh, we were almost to the road by the time he stepped out. But my brother and I are looking out the back window and we both went, did you see that? Or do you see that? And it checked out the trash can and then it came toward us. And it looked like he was chasing us, but he was just walking. He was just covering a lot of ground fast because he was very big. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, the sight of him was somewhat muffled because of the large snowflakes between us. But he was definitely huge, very dark, hairy, and coming straight for us. And then as we turned onto the road, he continued his trajectory and went on across the road and up the opposite side into the trees. And it blew my brother away to where he will not speak of it now. I can't. I couldn't get him to talk about it the last time I tried. He used to deny having the experience at all. But then I said, why? I mean, I, we were together. How can you not remember? He says, I just don't like talking about it because it really freaked me out. So, And me, uh, it a fascination was born that never went away. And I've been, uh, I've just kind of loved the big guy ever since and i've mm. seen him a couple other times in different states and i i hope to say i'll see him again someday wow uh when you first saw the movie did it make you think that could possibly be a real creature or were you thinking well that's an exciting movie but never happened to me well i knew that they were saying it was based on a true story and uh, I don't remember exactly what year that came out, um, but I was young, and I remember I was, it, I believed it. I thought, well, they say it's true, it must be true, it seems like it could be, and oh my goodness, what a what a terrific slash terrible, you know, thing to happen to these people. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it fascinated me, and already, and uh so maybe it was maybe my fascination was born with the movie, but uh, I certainly was not thinking of the movie when I saw my first one. Mm. I, I mean, because some time had passed, you know. But I thought the movie was real, and it looked like they used real people telling their real stories, and I bought every bit of it. <laughs> yeah, it came out in nineteen seventy-two. Okay, yeah, that 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 sounds about right because uh, it was I was thirteen when I saw the one on Mount Evans, and that would have been uh, a little bit later than that. I don't want to give away my age Mm. exactly. (laughs) How about the Uh, Patterson-Gimlin film? 
I've always believed that one was real. I can, you can see the musculature. You can see the the way she walks. And who in the world would have thought to fake boobs on a creature like that True. way back when? You know, I mean, seriously, it just looks real to me. And uh, and I've considered the uh, the fact that they could make pretty good costumes even back then, but nothing like they can today, of course. And that, that if it was a costume, it would be far better than anything anyone else was making at that time. I just, I didn't, I just did not think it was a costume. I believed it was a real animal. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people miss the fact that Roger Patterson, had he made that costume, could have gone to Hollywood and said, look what I can do. He'd have been a millionaire the next week. You, you betcha. Instead, bet instead, he spent the rest of his life looking for Bigfoot. Yeah, yeah, and, and kind of being ridiculed for it, too. Mm-hmm. Accused of making it up. And all that he went through, why in the world would he? You know, I, I think he really caught an extraordinary piece of film. And, and it's just a shame that he didn't get proper credit for mm-hmm. it. How about the movie Willow Creek? Are you still there? Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. I I don't watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. and I think I've seen that one. But um, why don't you refresh me? Is that the one where they went up to uh, film and interview some people up in Oregon or someplace? A young couple goes out into the woods. They're looking for the scene where the Patterson-Gimlin film was made. Uh, they stay in a tent, and then bad things happen to them. Yeah. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <sighs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I didn't like it. <laughs> My wife I try not to watch movies where, like that, mm. um, where terrible things happen, where the Bigfoot in the movie is a, a terrible, bloodthirsty monster that you know pulls your arms off and and swallows your you know i I hate movies like that because i go out in the woods alone Mm -hmm. most of the time and i don't need that swimming around in my head you know what i mean so uh i i'm pretty picky about the kinds of movies that i will subject myself to because my imagination is can Mm. be wild i have to keep it reined in uh and and i don't like that kind of thing in my head my wife and I saw it in Jefferson at the Bigfoot conference. And the bad thing is afterwards I had to convince her it was okay to go camping. And uh, well, That's what I'm talking about, yeah. see? <laughs> it was a little bit too yeah. much of an adventure. Yeah. 
You did a YouTube I saw interview. I that movie, and, mm. and uh, it did it did kind of, you know, it gave yes. me that that bad feeling in my chest, and and I decided then that I I don't think I'm going to watch these. I'm going to be careful about which kinds of movies I watch mm. when it comes to Bigfoot because I don't want to ruin my this thing I got going with them, you know. You did a YouTube interview with uh, the Cryptid Connection, and I'm trying not to copy any of their questions while at the same time making it an interesting story. So uh, that's one of those things. But yeah, that was uh, Bob Goldthwaite produced and directed the movie, so that maybe explains some of it. Yeah, yeah. You said you like in a certain genre. <laughs> you like to investigate solo. Is it because you don't want other people around? Because it's easier, or you find that it, you can you can go your own way when you want to without having to clear with somebody else. Uh, well, I don't I don't have to clear anything with anybody anyway. My husband loves what I love to do. He'll go out with me once in a while, but uh, it's it's been my thing since before. I mean, going to the woods, not mm-hmm. necessarily searching for Bigfoot. Um, I have been doing. The, the camping thing and, and hiking alone thing for a very long time. and uh, But I like to go alone primarily because I, I, I've i always been a loner, but mm-hmm. um, also because I, it's been my experience that people can kind of mess everything up for you. You know, you got, uh, you want to go to the woods, you want to, keep all your faculties, your, your, your sight, your hearing, your, your sense of smell needs to be good because sometimes, not always, but sometimes Bigfoot stinks, mm-hmm. you know, and you want, you want to be able to sense uh, the, before you see because then you know to look, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, and you get people in the woods with you and they're smoking and, and they're, they're talking and, and they're just, they, I mean, you're not going to smell anything but the smoke, if if that's what's going on in your group, mm-hmm. and and it just kind of messes stuff up for me. I prefer to go alone, although I have had a very good time with people. Also, I just don't do it very often. Hmm. How about your son? Is he interested in Bigfoot at all? He has an interest. Um, he's never seen one before, but I did find out. Uh, in a roundabout fashion, that he has told all his children that I am a Bigfooter. Mm. <laughs> so, so now they want me to take them to the woods, and uh, we have we have diabetics and stuff like that, mm. and, and I haven't figured out exactly how to go about that and keep it safe, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, have everything the way they need it to be. Uh, my granddaughter, in particular, um, she's probably the one I'm going to take with me when I when I go to the woods and bring a child. Uh, she's ten years old now, and she's uh, she's got a heart for it. By golly, she's the one with the questions. She's the one that keeps sending me pictures that she sees, and and uh, she's the one with the greatest interest. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I blame my son for that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you belong? You know, you don't always know. Pardon me. No, keep going. I was going to say, you don't always know what's going to frighten kids, and I don't get to be around them all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, they know I go camping, they know I go hiking, and I've taken them hiking at places that are very benign. You know, there's a, 
a, an established trail around a lake near where I live, and I'll take them around that, you know. But um, as far as going after a large hairy beast, uh, you know, you just, I don't want to scare them. I don't want them to not want to go out in the woods with me next time because mm-hmm. maybe we heard something or saw something. But I believe my, my little granddaughter is probably the one most who would just drink it in, mm-hmm. you know. I look forward to taking her. Do you belong to any groups, even though you are a solo investigator? I'm. I'm in the. Yes, I am kind of a member of the Southwestern Southwestern Bigfoot. Uh, excuse me, Southwest Bigfoot Alliance, and I've recently joined up with the Texas Bigfoot Rangers, and and I frequent other uh, groups. I have only a Squatch Dogs I'm mm-hmm. not a member of because they, they're so far away from me. It's not like we could get together ever, you know, but mm-hmm. I have actually been out in the woods with them before. Um, but I, I just those three, I guess, would be the main ones. Mm-hmm. And the Texas Rangers are relatively new to me. I just joined up with them recently. Have you found any good evidence, uh, footprints, photographs, anything along that line? Uh, well, when I was out with Squatch Dogs, I found a footprint, which we casted, and I, I have it here at the house in my gun cabinet. And uh, <clears throat> I have seen tracks in numerous places, and I've seen broken branches and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I don't know exactly how I feel yet about the the X's and the you know the territorial mm-hmm. markers and stuff. I know that they do exist, but I don't know that they're as common as some people think they are. But uh, I see them when I'm in the woods, and uh, I hope to find some hair or something like that sometime soon. That's what I'm uh, kind of baiting my breath for. I've also got uh, pictures of, uh, like, the handprints that were on my truck uh, last month when I had an encounter in Oklahoma where I was in my truck and they were shaking my truck. Mm. I had my dog with me, and they were shaking it and shaking it and just messing around with stuff in my campsite, and I was up there uh, alone with my dog. And uh, the next morning... There were now my truck was clean and their hands weren't filthy, so they were just kind of light smudges. But mm-hmm. very definitely, the right one was the half a shape, uh, the shape of half of a palm and the lower part of the fingers over the top of my truck bed. And then the left, the left one of uh, that on the same side of the truck. I think it had both its hands on the truck at the same time, in other words. And it was just fingers on the left and then part of the palm and part of the fingers on the right. I did take pictures, but, uh, again, because, you know, sometimes the pictures just don't come out as well as you hope. They Mm -hmm. look like they should, but I don't think uh, people will know unless I until I tell them, well, this is what this is, then they'll see it, and it's clear, but... Without telling them what it is, mm-hmm. it's just not that good a picture. Mm. Um, I, I 
covet the good evidence I have not been able to get. But yeah, I see I see footprints and partial footprints every now and again. I don't know if baby powder or something along those lines would have helped or hindered. Uh, the best course of action would have been a fingerprint kit, but who the heck carries that? Yeah, <laughs> I've actually done the pet, the baby powder uh, on a number of occasions. I've sprinkled my I sprinkled my truck with it, my tent, uh, and and my my uh, gear box that I keep on a a wood table, and and I even the ground around my campsite. I've sprinkled powder everywhere, mm-hmm. and I you know. It, when I did that the last time, I had spread apples around, and all I got was a bear. <laughs> mm. And uh, I shone a shone a bright light in his face, and he ran away because he was just a youngster and uh, easily frightened. He wasn't, you know, I didn't have to deal with a mommy. He was probably 200 pounds, but Oof. still very young, you could tell. That's a big baby. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> But, uh, uh, you know, that that was the main time I was experimenting with the powder, and it seems like a really good idea. I'd, I've heard of others doing it, and mm-hmm. I plan to try it again and just kind of maybe I try to use the unscented kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's, you know, best. I mean, the animals may or may not be enthralled with the baby fresh scent, yeah. you know. <laughs> I just want them to come around and, and leave their little footprints, or their big footprints, I should say. Mm-hmm. Have you uh, done any investigating in the Sam Houston National Forest? I have. Uh, I've been there with the Squatch Dogs just on one occasion. I love that forest, and I plan to go back, but it's about four and a half hours away from my home. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were there, it was... Uh, I think it was in April, and we had set up camp in Kelly Pond area, and then late, late that night, we the, there were a few of us, and we piled into two vehicles and drove a couple of miles away from where we were camping. I didn't know the forest. I, don't, I didn't know the area that well, because it was my first time there, actually. Mm-hmm. And we went to an area where there was an intersection I think one was paved, one was not. And the one that was not had a pipe gate going down uh, into an area, that into the dark, I should say. And I wanted to go that way. And everybody said, no, no, terrible things, weird. This is a weird area. It's spooky. And all these you know, people talk. And I'm like, well, this is what we're here for. So nobody would go with me. So I went by myself. Hmm. And then nothing happened. I didn't go that far. And I came back. I said, okay, I'm going to go down that other road now. And we had parked the vehicles right in the middle of the intersection because, you know, nobody's going to come around. And this one other person said, I'll go with you. So we walked, and we walked quite a ways. And on our way back, uh, there and back, we were making a few noises and a couple of whistles and just kind of talking quietly and listening. And when we got back to the group, everybody was crowded around uh the one person who had a flare and here we come up the road. We kind of rounded into the intersection where now we can see the other road. Everybody's crowded in one spot around the one person. They're like, Shh, there's two of them, two of them. They're right there. They're right there. And, and I come up and I want to see, I want to see, but they left right then mm. what they were looking at left right then. And I said, well, okay, how, which way did they come from? 
And they said, from the way that y'all just came from. And which way did they go? Well, they went back that way. So I looked at the girl that went with me the first time. I said, we need to walk that way again. And we walked the, back the same way again, and we had as an escort. And we could hear them on our right. And followed along, and I was talking to him. I was calling him honey, and I was, you know, whistling and, and uh, you know, clucking my tongue because I know they like that. And one was getting further away, and the other was just kind of hanging off to the right. And he wasn't real close, but you could hear him over there. And as we walked on uh, up the road, now the moon and the stars were out, and up ahead the road kind of went into it, kind of had a dip in it, and the far side of the dip was higher than the near side. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so as we're walking toward, we're walking up the road, and you can see this dip up ahead. He stepped out from the right and crossed the road toward the left right in the dip. So I couldn't see his feet or the lower part of the lower extremities because of the road on my side of the dip being higher than his mm -hmm. uh, lower calf. But I saw his legs and his torso all the way up to about four feet of height at least, and it was just to his torso before he blended into the darkness uh, as he went up, but uh, but his silhouette was very nicely backlit on that higher side of the road, mm -hmm. and uh, with the moonlight kind of reflecting on the road, it looked like a kind of a shimmery gray uh, road with this very dark shape just kind of, and it crossed the road very quickly, and it took about three steps, and it was a cross, and uh, my friend and I both saw it. And uh, my suspicion is it was crossing. It went ahead of the other one. It was crossing. It was probably going to come back toward us, and then we'd have as an escort on both sides. And because I'm not familiar with that forest, I decided, okay, that's a little too close for comfort. Let's go ahead and turn around and walk back, and we'll keep making our noise and see if they follow us back. Hmm. And uh, they, they did not, to our knowledge, but that was uh, a wonderful experience. Experience. It's always such a great experience when you see one. You just, you know, your your heart swells. You're mm -hmm. you're excited, and and uh, and you just want to see them again and again. A friend of mine with the oh, South, uh, a friend of mine with South Texas Bigfoot. What he does is he puts a Game Pro on the back of his backpack so that it's filming behind him as he walks under uh. the. Under the idea that you walk past a Bigfoot hiding in the bushes, he might step out after you've passed him. And he says he's caught some good uh, evidence that way. Might consider. Wow, that's a good idea. Consider it next time you're out in the woods. Uh, your your husband I certainly will. Your husband saw Bigfoot near y'all's home. He did uh, October last year, so only thirteen months ago. And uh, and we were, what happened that time was my son was uh, working uh, second shift. He got off work at 2 o'clock in the morning, and his car was broke down, and so we were going to pick him up. And it was one thirty in the morning. The sky was clear. There was uh, some kind of wispy clouds, but it wasn't, I mean, the, the moonlight and the starlight was, was 
out and bright enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're going down this little road, and we're going toward where my son worked, who uh, was over by... Uh, this episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. A, a small airport, and to the west of us was a wildlife refuge, and to the east of us, alongside parallel with the road, was a railroad track. And uh, as we're going down this road, something started jabbing my elbow, my right elbow, and so and I was driving. So I looked down, I mean, just for a couple of seconds, you know, I looked down trying to fix whatever it is that's messing with my elbow. And my husband says, what the heck was that? And I I looked down and said, what? He, he said again, what the heck was that? And I thought he was fussing at me because I must have elbowed him. Mm. So, and we, we, we kept driving, you know, we weren't going very fast because it's just a little road and, and there's trees on one side and then a field on the other side and by the time it came out that he had actually seen something we were already uh oh i don't know 300 yards up and we turned around because i wanted to look you know and it had crossed it was standing there he said and it was he was looking at it going what is that it's just you know it's just this great big thing standing there it was gray and and then it just kind of trucked across the road from left to right. And then we continued on. It was very close in front of the truck. That's why I didn't see it, because it was so close. And I looked down for a couple of seconds, and mm-hmm. that's all the time it took. It's gone. And uh, when we turned around and came back, I parked the truck, and my husband is, is handicapped. He sat in the truck, and I got my flashlight, and I'm walking up and down. I'm looking for tracks. And I thought I heard on the railroad side, which is the side he started on, I heard some sticks popping, and I thought it, it occurred to me that perhaps it had crossed from that side toward the field side, and then it thought we were leaving. It thought we were going to keep going, so it came on back. And then we turned around and came back, and now he's on the side he started on, mm-hmm. and he's over there by the railroad looking at, at, through the trees, and he's probably watching me looking for signs of him, you yes. know. So the next day, I had to work uh, an overtime day. It was only, uh, well, I got off, it was still light out. And being October, you know, that's not very late. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know, 5 o'clock or so. And I made uh, hightailed it down there to look around again, and I found some some tracks that had filled with water. It had been raining a lot. And it was in that period where it just seemed to be raining all the time, and uh, there was rocks, and there was you know a lot of mud, and and there were some some 
prints that were very wide and very long, but they had filled and there was no definition at all. You couldn't tell for sure that was a track or what, but I did figure out what he was doing there. There were crawdad mounds everywhere, Hmm. and he had actually been scooping up those crawdad mounds. I mean, scooping down into Mm -hmm. the dirt below them and pulling the whole thing up and probably had the crawdad in his hand when he did it, you know? Yeah. And uh, and that's why he went right back after we drove by. I, I think he went back because he wasn't done eating those crawdads. And uh, there was several places where it looked like, uh, yeah, this looks like it could be. But like I said, there was nothing definitive. And uh, so I did a little video. Well, I'm here, and this is what happened, and here's some crawdad mounds, and and here's what I'm thinking, and. And uh, I don't think they live at the wildlife refuge uh, close to where we live. Um, that was only about seven miles from my house, by the way. And uh, but I do think they pass through there from time to time. We're out here by the Red River. There's there's creeks and there's there's wooded areas all over the place, and uh, it's a good place for a Sasquatch to you know mm-hmm. head from point A to point B and stay relatively well hidden. Uh, unless he makes a small mistake or, or unless he wants to show himself. I think every great now and then you get a bold one who he just doesn't care if you see him or not. Mm. What was your most scary or worrisome investigation? Uh, all right, I'll tell you one. When, uh, when I was in Arkansas, uh, we had purchased a small piece of land, and I made a trip out there by myself. I didn't even bring my dog because I was going to go visit my mother as well, and, and she hates dogs. So uh, I left I left my dog at home, and I was I got there really late. It was it was dark, it was late, and I just pulled over. And I wasn't familiar with the property, so I pulled over on the side of the road across from the property. And I thought, well, I'm just going to catch me some winks, you know, and then get out there early in the morning and, and, you know, mark my my property boundaries and kind of get to know the lay of that land and everything. And uh, that night, I'm I'm sitting back in the car, and I had the windows down, and I could hear, I heard a knock from far away, and then I heard a couple of other noises that, you know, that kind of struck my interest. And I heard a tree get pushed over, and these n- n- sounds are all getting closer and closer. And before long, I could hear it, like, just the other side of the road from me, which was on my property. And I couldn't see out the windows. It was kind of getting cool out because, you know, it was in October. And I was, uh, I, I actually, I think that was in November, about three years ago. And uh, I could hear it or something, I didn't know what it was yet, but I could hear what sounded like Sasquatch activity, you know, with the tree and everything. And I had just purchased this car. I'd bought it for my son, and it was my first trip in it. And it's got this stinking uh, tinted windows, which I hate. Mm. And I, you can't see out into the dark through tinted windows, you know. <laughs> so, uh, But I heard, I heard something kind of walking up the road, from behind me on my left and I couldn't see through the window and I couldn't roll my window down because I was a little bit nervous about it. And I mean, I surprised myself. That was one trip where 
fear got a hold of me a little bit because of the unfamiliarity of the area and not having my dog. It was just unexpected. I wasn't there to look for Bigfoot, you mm-hmm. know. It just, but he found me. And uh, it's a place in Arkansas, kind of close to Crown Lake. And uh, anyway, in time, I had to clear my throat. And I knew that there was something outside because I was starting, I smelled something, you know, and it was uh, kind of a wet dog smell. It wasn't real strong, but I don't think he was that close yet. But then when I cleared my throat, he cleared his throat. I mean, that's what I did. And he went, and a couple of minutes later, I'm like, I had to clear my throat again. So I did. And then he cleared his throat again. Only he was like immediately behind me on my left and well above me. It just sounded like he was way higher than I was. It was somebody very tall. And I think it was, and the smell was much stronger at that point. Yikes. And uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I had to pee, and I had to pee really bad. And I'm like, well, I've got this monster outside the car. I can't really pull up a bush right now. And what I, I tell you what I did, I tucked my stupid tail under my, you know, and I, and I drove away. Mm. And, uh, and as I drove away, I turned my lights on, and as I drove away, I hit my brakes to brighten the area behind me, and I didn't see anything, but mm. I feel like I had a non-visual encounter mm-hmm. that night, close encounter. But uh, there was a, uh, I knew I had driven around the area before I found the property, and uh, I knew that there was a parking lot over by Crown Lake, which was from that point less than half a mile away. And I thought, well, I'm just going to, I know that there were, uh, it had uh, lights on over the parking lot all night. And it was just a like a, you know, people go fishing and nobody was around, but the lights were on over this parking lot. And I knew there was a restroom over there. So I pulled in there and there was a police officer sitting there at the entrance and he followed me in. And what, who are you? What are you doing here? You know how late this is and, and, and uh, what's going on here? And uh, I said, well, I, I bought this property, and I kind of got spooked away from it. And do you mind if I just stay in this parking lot until morning? And uh, he didn't ask what spooked me, so I didn't tell him. <laughs> and uh, and I, I stayed there, and the next morning I went back. And I found the tree that had been pushed over. It was a young live tree. And the root ball was up on the ground, and the tree was laying all the way down. And this this stick, about the size of a the fat end of a baseball bat and probably four feet long uh, was laying across. It was laying perfectly horizontal on top of the root ball of this tree, which I thought was very strange, but it just looked perfectly level. So I took pictures and I looked around for tracks. I found a small track that was, it was a barefooted track. It was really wide for the length, but it was, no bigger than mine, and now I got big feet for a woman, I guess. But I'm tall, you know, and and uh, this was not a large bigfoot. If it was a bigfoot track, and I don't know that he, I don't think he could have pushed that tree over. But so there might have been two, but and maybe this youngster wasn't there that night. He it was an older track. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, uh, what I did was I took pictures, and then I took that that stick. 
and I stood it perfectly vertical up against the root ball, and I left it there. And then I went to visit my mom, and I came back the next day to see if the stick got moved. It did not. But uh, that was my that's my Arkansas story. <laughs> yeah, I, I got scared and I tucked my tail like like a. I I, I tell the story now to tr- to teach myself a lesson because it's embarrassing to me, and I hope to say that won't happen again because I could have. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Some... I didn't have a decent camera at the time or anything, but I was unprepared and I it showed. Sometimes our inner voices tell us it's time to leave when it's time to leave. It's not always a bad thing. <laughs> you uh, you camp out on some of your investigations, you, you've said, but uh, is this a common thing or is it uh, kind of rare? I go out, well, I my work schedule is such that I get a few days off every week. Um, if I don't work overtime, I can be off three, four days every week, each week, um, uh, inter- uh, alternately, three days this week, four days the next, if I don't work overtime. So I don't take long camping trips like some people do. You know, they're out there for a week, for 10 days, for two weeks. I I take two nights, sometimes three, sometimes one, but I do it. Once or twice a month, generally mm-hmm. speaking, and uh, often I will skip some time depending on on the weather and how cold it is in the winter time. But in the summer, spring, fall, I'm out there uh, at least a couple times a month. Do you have interesting equipment that you take along now? Uh, a fancy camera, uh, a parabolic dish, anything like that. I have a decent camera. It is a it's a camera. I mean a uh, Canon. Uh, oh, what's it called? It's one of those Canon PowerPoint mm-hmm. uh, SX60. It's an SX60 Canon, and it takes good pictures. It takes good video. Takes uh, it copies sound real well. And uh, I do have a recorder that I bought. Uh, several months ago, and I got a really good mic to go with it. The mic was more expensive than the recorder was, and uh, it had the option of a parabolic dish, but I did not go that route um, because I generally will more likely try to hide it under behind branches, under leaves, and you just you can't do that with a dish. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm trying to focus on areas rather than. Uh, catching the far-off stuff um, because it's it's been my experience that some of the places I go, they're active areas. And uh, so I just, and I, I can't afford a lot. I did mm-hmm. have a night vision scope, but somebody shined a flashlight in my direction one time and ruined it. Mm. <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to uh, get rich one day and buy me a good one uh, oh. that has that, that uh, protection Mm-hmm. A device where it won't ruin it when you, you know, somebody even inadvertently shines a flashlight towards you or a car light, you know, a car mm-hmm. turns a corner and his lights uh, just kind of go past you and you happen to be looking that way, you can ruin your equipment. So I'm going to wait till I can afford a good one before I get another night vision deal. Yeah. Uh, 
But otherwise, no, I don't. I don't really have a lot of equipment. I got me. I got my my dog and my gun and uh, camera and recorder, and that's about it. In your opinion, is Bigfoot a flesh and blood creature, or could it be something other, like uh, a spirit or maybe trans-dimensional being? I think they're a flesh and blood creature. I think they're an animal that eats and and you know, feels pain or even joy, and I think they they hunt because they're hungry, and I don't know that a spirit would have to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that they are as close to, as you can, to be, and I think they're as close to being an ape as you can be without perhaps actually being one, if that makes sense. I do think that they I don't believe that they are a relative of ours. Mm -hmm. That question comes up pretty often. Um, As a Christian, I do not believe in evolution. I think, and you can, I mean, over the eons that we do have historical record of, you know, a finch is still a finch. A dog is still a dog. They just, you know, you breed them to come out looking the way you want, but it's still a dog. Mm -hmm. It's not a missing link now, and it's a different animal now because of all this selective breeding it's still a dog it's still a finch i think it's the same thing with the the other creatures as well i think bigfoot's been around as long as we have and uh i think we're just coexisting with a highly intelligent animal that does not want us to uh you know mess with it take up his space Mm. yeah what books have you read about bigfoot Uh, well, I've read several, actually, and if you had not asked me that, I could name them. <laughs> oh. Isn't it always uh, that way? Uh, yeah, I've got Nick. I've got Nick Redfern's book, the the Bigfoot book, mm-hmm. and I and I have uh, three. Let's see, there's there's three uh, revisions of this one book that I have. That is called the Woodknocks. Uh huh. And I've only read two of them so far. I'm actually going. I'm reading volume three right now. But uh, then I've read uh, oh a few other things. I've read a couple of books written by Dr. Meldrum, mm-hmm. and I like his the best. I think uh, just because of his education and everything, and it's very helpful to. Uh, you know, the Bigfoot community, when somebody like that will concur that, yes, indeed, this is this is a real thing. I mean, it, I mean, it wouldn't matter to me if people don't believe what I say, because it's my experience and they didn't see what I saw if they're not with me, you know, mm-hmm. but a guy like that, yeah. a, you know, kind of backing us up, it's, it's good to know that there are people out there who do know truth when they see it. How about ghosts? Do you believe in spirits from beyond the grave? Uh, I'm not a ghost hunter. I don't. I know that there is a spiritual world out there. I think this, I, I know that spirits were here before mm-hmm. uh, before we were. You know, um, I I have seen things. I have I've uh, had some experiences of my own and. Uh, yeah, I think they're real. I, I don't really uh, pursue 
anything toward that end. I don't I don't have any interest in mm-hmm. you know going to a graveyard or to a haunted house and see if see what there is that happens and I don't have any interest in that area because uh you know, I'd just really rather the ghosts yes. leave me alone. Um, I'm sensitive to things like that. And I, you know, it gets, it's just something that I'm not interested in. And when I see something and I know that it's probably one of those, I prefer to go the other way. How about UFOs? Uh, I've seen things. Uh, I've seen things in the in the sky and yeah it was a ufo because i could not identify it but uh martians aliens from from beyond i i don't exactly believe in them because i haven't seen one myself mm-hmm. um but i've seen weird things in the sky i've i've crossed the desert and looked up and seen uh interesting spectral activity and even when I was a teenager, I saw there were three very bright, uh, they were far away, but like pinpointed, very bright uh, dots of light in a, in a triangle shape. And they moved in unison in one direction, and they stopped, and then they moved back the other direction, past where they started, or at least where I first looked up and saw them. And then they split up. It's like they each went a separate direction exactly away from each other, and it was so fast that it I, it was amazing, and wow. uh, I had never understood exactly what that was. I don't think it was a, uh, a, a NASA experiment mm-hmm. that was in Colorado at the time, and uh, I, just, I just don't have an explanation for that, but I do... Uh, concede that there are things out there that we really don't know about, and some of them may come from, you know, beyond our own atmosphere. Other than the Jefferson Conference, what other get-togethers have you attended? I go to Footstock. Um, mm. It's a yes, an invite-only uh, deal. I'm going this weekend, actually. I went last year as well. And I go to the uh, East Texas Bigfoot Conference in Huntsville, and I want to go to the Hinobia one, but these things are always on Saturdays, and I always work Saturdays, and I can't go to all of them Mm -hmm. because I run out of days off, you know, Uh, uh, extra days off that my boss will let me go. So uh, I I want to go to the Hinobia one, but I've only, and then I went to the one in Beeville uh, a couple of months ago. Beeville? That was that was yeah. There was uh, Gabriel. Uh, I can't think of his last name. I got to meet him uh, there for the first time. I think he's one of the people putting it together. Okay, and it's you know where Beeville is. Yes, I drive through there on the way to Houston all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know. For some uh, odd reason, well, there's a navy base there. there. Pardon me. For some odd reason, there's a navy base there. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. When you're going through town and you're right there at City Hall, look at that jet. That's a Navy jet. How interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that was that was my only time being in that town. Ah. And 
I hung around a bit and drove up and down a couple of roads that I had uh, read had had, uh, you know, crossings, uh, Bigfoot, mm-hmm. apparent mm-hmm. Bigfoot crossings. And uh, I uh, I go to the Falk Monster Festival, too, ah. when they have them. And, uh, and I'll drive up and down that Highway 71. I just did that uh, a few weeks ago, actually. I uh, was... We went to the convention, the conference in Texas, in uh, Jefferson, and then some of us did the bonfire afterward, and then some of us, a smaller group, met at the Pine Lodge the next morning for, for brunch together, and then some of us went to Shreveport to watch The Legend of Boggy Creek refurbished, and a couple of us went on north to Falk from there, and... uh or one person said he was going to go, and I said, yeah, I was thinking about going. And then somebody else said, yeah, we might we might go too. And then we all kind of bumped into each other at the Falk, at the Monster Mart. Mm. <laughs> so, that, uh, that is quite we, a place. We did a, little big, we did a little big footing, and we uh, did some calls, and we heard some things. And uh, we found a boneyard. That was interesting. And uh, mostly carnivorous. Uh, skeletons and skulls. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were coyotes and and uh, carnivorous animals. I think there was a bobcat, and uh, it was interesting. There was a whole bunch of them in an area uh, of a few a few yards wide, several yards wide. Uh, and uh, anyway, so then the lightning was getting closer, and uh, the two friends said, "We're going to go home," and the other one was going to do some car camping nearby. So I got in my truck and I just drove up and down that Highway 71 hoping to see something. I had my camera on the dash of the truck (laughs) and I never saw anything. But if I did, I'd have got it. The the boneyard, was it like right off the edge of the road or was it back in a ways? Oh, it was about uh, 14, 15 miles off the road. There was a... The, the person who was going to camp in his car uh, knew the area and took us to this place. And uh, there was this big spot next to next to the river, uh, the Sulphur River, I think. And we uh, were just kind of traipsing around in the trees a little bit and, you know, seeing what there was to see. It was getting late. And there was this just this incredible collection of bones strewn about on the ground in this one area i took several pictures of course (laughs) and it was just pretty remarkable because usually you see boneyards like Mm -hmm. that there are killing fields as some people call them and it's deer or it's you know some kind of game animal but these all are mostly consisted of carnivorous animals and i thought that was strange and interesting that does sound strange. Uh, per- yeah. Perhaps, uh, I don't know if it's worth the the effort, but asking other people in the Bigfoot community if they've ever encountered anything like that. Yeah, it'd be worth finding out, you know, because that is very interesting. And it seems uncommon to me, but mm-hmm. that's just because I've never seen it before, you know, and other people have their own experiences, and that's, that's why we get together, right? We yes. we share what we know. Mm-hmm. When you meet somebody new, 
Do you right away ask them questions to see if they're interested in Bigfoot, or do you just wait to see what kind of subjects they're going to talk about? Oh, a uh, conversation. If it's going to happen, it generally will, will flow easily enough. And uh, I certainly don't hide the fact that I'm into Bigfoot because it's a large part of my life. And, mm-hmm. and let's just get this thing out of the way now. You know, do you think I'm weird? And is it more than you can take? <laughs> well, nice meeting you. Bye. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, I don't, ha- I, I have no reason to, care very much what other people think Mm -hmm. of of me or what I do, you know, because I'm not breaking any rules and I'm not bothering anybody. So, uh, but as it turns out, more people are open to that sort of thing than you might imagine. Mm -hmm. And that's always good because, you know, it's, if it's something that you're interested in, then you're going to enjoy that conversation. So it's, it does come up in time, usually pretty quick with me. What do you get out of the investigations? I get therapy, brother. That's that's what I, I love in the woods. Uh, that's what I love being in the woods for. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see anything interesting at all, but I'm in the woods and, and it's a nice day or, or a pleasant evening, then, then I'm happy. I, I derive... Uh, therapy is the best word, but, uh, you know, there's something about solitude in the wild that just calms the heart, mm-hmm. calms the spirit, and uh, it, it's just good for you. It's good for the soul, as they say. Mm-hmm. Well, most antidepressants that doctors are just insanely handing out, they're only 30% yeah. effective. Walking in the woods is 95% effective when it comes to depression, yet you never see a doctor prescribing a walk in the woods to anybody. Very true. And and don't you know, yeah, you, well, you, you probably know, they're, mm-hmm. they're push, pushing those pharmaceuticals because they get perks, you know. Oh, yes. And it's a shame. It's a shame because people need to get out of town. They need to get away from other people sometimes. And they would be... So much happier if they just go to the woods once in a while, make sure they pick up their own trash when mm-hmm. they do, if they, you know, do eating or anything while they're out there. And it's very satisfying to, you know, to go home after you've had some time in the woods. Just, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what I'd do if I lived in the heart of a city and never got to <laughs> do that. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't stand it. What it's a terrible thought, isn't it? <laughs> yes. What kind of motorcycle do you have? I drive a Harley Davidson Heritage Softail Classic. Ah. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. my I call it my steed, my trusty steed. It's the uh, teal and white and uh and I'm real proud of it. Sounds very like fine it. ride. <laughs> I'm not into motorcycles because I have a tendency to tip over just walking. Uh, my wife doesn't even like it when I ride a bicycle because I have a tendency to crash into things, but, well, that's just me. You do not. Yes, I do. I have the broken bones to prove it. Oh but my. then I'm a, little, I'm a little too wild when I do that sort of thing. No such thing as a leisurely ride. 
Well, you need to settle down then, brother, don't you? <laughs> yeah, probably. Any advice that you would give to a young Bigfoot hunter? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the best thing you can tell somebody is to make sure they're prepared for anything. Um, you know, some people don't believe in guns. They don't think carrying a gun is, is a good thing. Well, then stay out of the woods because mm-hmm. things happen. There's there's animals out there that will eat you, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Bigfoot is not the thing to be afraid of in the woods. There's there's wild hogs, and I hunt hogs. I've seen them get aggressive. You oh, know, yes. They don't want to be eaten, but they'll, they'll, if they kill you, they'll eat you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they'll actually stalk you. So you've got to be prepared. I think that you shouldn't carry too much in with you because, Unless you're just willing to lose it, you know, because mm-hmm. there may come a time that you need to get out of the woods quickly. But the best thing they can do is is just try, you know, make sure that they're not going to be scared. You know, know their, know their inner man or inner woman well enough that they know how to get hold of that. If fear starts to take over, then stop, breathe. And then get hold of it and move on because sometimes fear can keep you from doing what is best for you to do, you mm-hmm. know. And and young people today, they need to get in the woods. Mm-hmm. They just do. They need to turn off all their electronics and get out of town and go find a, a quiet place. And I think that's that's the best thing these, these kids today can do is go find a quiet place. And that's usually out there in the woods. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show tonight. Oh, I'm, I, I've enjoyed it, and I thank you for, for having me. If I get lucky, I might see you in Huntsville in 2020, uh, see how my rest of the year goes. And if not, I'll see you in Jefferson. I'll be at both places, yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, and enjoy the uh, the footstock. I talked to uh, Michelle Miller a while ago, and oh. she was telling me about it. Well, maybe you can. Maybe you'll be able to make it to that one one of these days hmm. too. This has been Lori Croson on Strange Things with Chris James. Are you? Are you? Coming to the tree With a strong upper man The same murder three Strange things that I've been hearing Stranger would it be If we met at midnight In the hanging tree This episode is made possible by PwC It's getting hot out here Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.